0: You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us as we jump into our series called 180. One decision can change the direction of your life. A 180 degree turn sets us into a new future. Jesus really changes everything. Get ready. God is on the move. How many love Jesus today? You love him? I want to give a big shout out to all the ladies who, who gathered together on Friday night for the Sisterhood event. How many of you were there for the Sisterhood event? So great to see and hear about over a thousand women from Lakeville and from Maple Grove and Elk River and Spring Lake Park gathering together, all lifting up the name of Jesus and caring about it. And if you came on Friday night and you came back to check us out on Sunday, thanks for coming back. And in fact, today I wore under this shirt. My welcome crew shirt, because I also want to honor all of the Team Emmanuel teammates that greet you in the parking lot, in the lobbies, and making a huge difference. And uh, so grateful for all the teammates. And if you want to jump in on that team, all you got to do is go through Growth Track. It's your best way to get your first step, your next step, and to be on a part of Team Emmanuel. We'd love to have you do that. Hey, we're in week number two of our series called 180 Jesus Changes Everything. Last week, we talked about how uh, there's a 180 moment, a turning point in people's story. And Once there's that 180 moment, you change directions. You go from one place in a new direction. And of course, we looked at Jesus meeting a woman at the well and, uh, and how Jesus met her outside the church on her own journey. And I believe that Jesus is continuing to meet people even outside the church and that he wants to touch people that aren't in church yet, but Jesus is going to meet them. And uh, in the process of us talking about it last week, um, we shared uh, a 180 story uh, on the screen and somebody in Maple Grove was listening to me preach and she began to think, About her own 180 moment. In fact, as she was listening to the the message, Jen was reflecting on her own turning points during the sermon as a mom. And she decided to share it with me. So she reached out and messaged me about it. And I thought, hey, we got to have that in church this next Sunday. So she sat down and she recorded her testimony on video. I want you to watch Jen's 180.
1: My name is Jen, I am a mom to three kids. As I was watching the sermon, I just felt a really big urge, a really big pull because I could so deeply relate to the 180 moment. And people had pointed it out to me, I was aware of it, but when I truly like sat and thought about it and looked at what happened from when I was baptized to now and how far I have grown spiritually and emotionally and mentally since then, it is amazing. Um, so I grew up a Christian. I was very strong in my faith. And I drifted away when I left home in my late teens and my early 20s. And throughout my 20s, I kind of drifted in and out. But I never like really dived in. I never really found a place to connect. I found a place to grow. And so I'd always drift in and drift out and um, became like the holiday attender. And so I... We moved to Maple Grove in um, March of last year, and it was after my divorce. Someone told me about a manual, and I started, you know, to look into it. The first Sunday I came, I walked in and I felt seen. And I felt cared for, like, from the moment I got here. And it's like, this place is different. Like, it's as, you know, like, God is working here. And I heard about the baptism event, Spring Lake Park, and I really wanted to go. It was a weekend I was on call for my job. Um, Right before I was getting the kids ready to go, someone called in, and I actually got someone to cover it. So at the time, I was like, oh, that worked out. But now I know, like, God knew I needed to be there. I was in the crowd, I was watching the stage get set up, people gather, and my kiddos were with me, and I just felt such a strong pull to go up there. And I'm like, no, why would I go up there? (laughs) But I just kept feeling this pull like, you need to go up there. And I'm like, no, I made every excuse. I'm like, I'm here alone with my kids. I don't know many people yet. I, you know, just made excuses made excuses and finally I'm like I cannot resist this pull like I need to go up there that was my turning point god came after me in so many different ways after I was baptized everything in my life started to shift i did and still am making plenty of mistakes but my spirit started with the slow burn that has been building into a fire and i'm seeing the change with my children like my two daughters, five and seven, both asked me one morning if I could pray with them to ask God into their hearts. And it was just so beautiful. And it's like, yes. <laughs> and so we prayed. And my four-year-old <laughs> is not a morning person. And like last Sunday, he woke up and he's like, Mommy, I'm excited to go to church. And, you know, he hates getting up in the morning. He's just gets He gets grumpy and he's tired. He's waking up excited to go. He's happy to be here. He's learning. He's growing. And he's saying things that just Blow my mind because he's so little, but he is understanding. I am starting to realize now that it's okay to not be okay. God is working in me, and I need to be here. I need to be in church. And even if it's uncomfortable at times to feel like a mess. God is working with me where I'm at and helping me to get where I need to go. The Holy Spirit helped me realize that I need to fight for my abundant life. I'm an active participant in my own growth and I'm on fire to live the life that God wants for me. As a church, we need each other. God did not create us or intend for us to do this alone. And I am so thankful for Emmanuel and for what's next.
0: Such a powerful, powerful story. I love what God is doing in the hearts of people as they attend and are connected to our church family. You know, life can have a way of pushing people away that we need. And uh, Jen sent me a note after service last week, and in her message, she said this to me. She said, I can't let the shame of my failures poison my or my children's future. As a church, we need each other. God did not intend for us to do this alone. I am so thankful for Emmanuel and what's next, she says. Think about that. Life's disappointments can have a devastating impact on our connection to the people that we need the most. I don't know how it happens, but whether it's our mistakes or someone else's wrong choices or just a series of random dominoes, we can find ourselves alone. We can be in a crowded room and feel alone. We may have acquaintances, people are around us, but we can feel stuck with our condition. It's so far away from hope. Isolation is the deadliest enemy in the world. It brings people to the darkest of the night of the soul. And when you're outside the safety of community, you're vulnerable. You're picked off. And many of us feel the shame of separation so strongly that we begin to self isolate, to self sabotage our connection to healthy people and healthy relationships. Today, we're going to look at how Jesus changes everything for a man who was trapped in a horrible condition called leprosy. Leprosy is an infection that can lead to damage of the nerves, the respiratory tract, the skin, the eyes. This nervous damage may result in a lack of an ability to feel pain, which can lead to the loss of parts of a person's extremities from repeated injuries or infection through unnoticed wounds. And if left untreated, leprosy can cause deformity of the hands, the feet, even blindness and kidney failure. Every year, over 200,000 people have contracted leprosy. Today, there's a battery of treatments to overcome it. But in Jesus' day, There was no treatment. And in this story, we're going to see how Jesus comes and brings a 180 moment to a leper. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. The title of my message is this, Move It. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, Move It. (laughs) They're like, Excuse me? What are you talking about? Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging him to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Now, this is a moment, and we'll go on in the story in just a few moments, but I want you to catch that in this story, there's a leper. And lepers in the Bible, and times, they were ostracized or sent out away from healthy people. They weren't allowed to have contact. It was a contagious disease. We know a little bit about that nowadays, don't we? Only this was like a permanent quarantine. He was not allowed to be around anyone else that was uh, healthy. And he was in isolation. It's a social distancing requirement that was permanent. He was cast away from his family. And he had to live in a leper colony. This man was isolated and desperate. And the impact of his isolation was more than just physical. He was missing out on shared experiences, comfort and care of family, and even accountability. How many know that when you are removed from some relationship, you're missing out on something? You know, there's the care and the comfort and the cheer. There's also that accountability aspect. I've said many times that friends are like elevators. They can take you up. Or they can take you down and sometimes if you've gone into isolation you get rid of those relationships that take you up and you're left with the relationships that take you down and that isolation is not a good thing for your soul for this man he's in a condition where without Jesus nothing will change he's feeling distant and alone and this man Begs Jesus says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, I think that there is something inside of every person who is isolated and alone who says there's got to be someone who can help me. In the last two years alone of isolationism, the impact on the whole identity of a person, people that. Are pushed away from relationships, away from the people they need to be with. Something inside of them says, I I want help. I want help. Well, this man reaches out for help and he talks to Jesus. Verse 41, the very next verse, it says, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. And then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, instead you could put in there, proclaiming to everyone what had happened, and as a result... Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So Jesus has this man go and follow the law to do the right thing, and he doesn't do it. Now, we don't get any sense of judgment from Jesus about that in there. He disobeyed Jesus after the miracle. But the effect of it was he had to tell everybody. It's the same thing as the woman at the well. She had to tell everybody. When you get transformed, you just, you got to tell people, right? By the way, that's the reason to invite people to come to Easter this year, right? To come to church with you. So she had to tell everybody. But I want to direct you back to before the moment that he's healed. It says, Jesus was moved with compassion. This is a very important verse that I do not want you to miss. Because even in the, there's different translations and versions of this same text. Some say, Jesus was angry. Now actually, there could be both factors there. Both angry and compassionate. He had deep emotion about what he saw in front of him. He saw a man who was tortured with a disease. As the son of God who created the earth, who did not create the earth to have disease. Jesus is upset at the effect of sin. There was no disease before sin. And he looks at it and he could become very angry of what the sin eventually has caused this man. He didn't sin to get leprosy, but the original sin set things into motion for this to happen. He had a deep emotion of it. He had compassion at the same time for the man because he didn't want this man man to live alone. He saw the impact of the disease on the man. And it wasn't just physical. It was emotional. It was internal. This man was away from everyone he loved. He was disconnected from regular relationships because of the condition that he had. Jesus had so much emotion about this. We see his emotion in other places of the Gospels. Things like the moment that, that uh, his friend Lazarus had died. And you see in John 6 how when, when Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. He wept. He had emotion. He wept because he cared about people. When Jesus went into the temple in Mark chapter 11, and he kicked over the tables, and, and people thought he was going a little bit crazy, they, they would have had their phones out if, if it was nowadays. He would have had that viral moment, right? And people think he's just throwing a fit. No, you know what he was doing? And he quoted from Isaiah, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And when he looked at his temple, his church, if you will, he saw that there was no room for people who were not Jews. There was no room for people to come and worship that were from other nationalities, had different skin tones and had different languages. In their place were tables set up. So what did Jesus do? He was so angry, he flipped the tables. You see, Jesus has deep emotion about our conditions. He knows what we're walking through. He's not some kind of distant God far away from us. No, he sees us and he notices what we're going through. He notices the families in our community that are going through great pain, marriages that, that are under the strain and maybe about to break apart. He notices the poverty in our community and children that don't have enough nurture. He notices those things and he doesn't stand off distant from them. No, he has great compassion. He's moved by what's going on in their story and its compassion moves him to do something about it. See Jesus is really moved by the leper in front of him and once again I think that the chosen shows this moment far better than I can tell it. Turn your attention to the screen.
1: Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? Come on. <laughs> It's a leopard! Stay back! Cover your mouth! Don't breathe his air! Don't come any closer! It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, no. Rabbi, 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 you Rabbi, You, you know, It's disease, gone, you Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
0: Be cleansed. <laughs> Isn't that a moment? What does compassion move Jesus to do? What does it move him to do? The first thing he does causes him to reach out, to reach out. You see, emotion doesn't just stay in his head and his heart. He moves toward the need. He moves beyond the boundaries and begins to reach out. You notice what the rest of the group did. They stepped back. But Jesus' compassion caused him to step toward, to care about, and to notice. What if we moved with compassion like Jesus? What if we moved toward the people we see who are isolated around us? What if we moved past the boundaries because we care more about them than anything. Jesus does this repeatedly in the Gospels. He moves toward the people who are in need. Secondly, what does compassion move Jesus to do? Moves him to touch the leper. He touches the leper. Jesus reached out and touched him. This was an astonishing moment, reckless even, a shock to everyone around him. He was willing to take the risk that the contagious disease of the leper would be on him. See, Jesus risked being an outcast to the leper colony because of his close contact. Listen, I am so grateful as I think back over the last two years for all of the medical professionals. When we didn't know what COVID was leading to, they still stepped into the battle. Amen? Yeah, put your hands together for all the people that jumped in. Thankful. I'm thankful just as much for teachers that have gone to school. I'm thankful for people that have gone and delivered me Uber meals. I'm thankful, for, I'm thankful for people that move beyond and they're willing to touch. They're willing to go somewhere with it. Jesus risked being an outcast himself by reaching out and touching this man. Jesus' burden for the man was stronger than the fear of rejection by people. His burden was bigger than his fear. When I was at North Central University, I used to teach a class called Youth Homiletics, preaching to teenagers. And uh, every semester, I would get a new group of students that would come in, and and some of them were really confident because they had to preach in my class and then some of them were scared to death. They say one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking, right? The fear of being exposed or making mistakes and feeling the rejection of it. And one of the things that I would lead our students through because, listen, they already were making some courageous steps just to go to college. You know, they felt the tug of God somewhere in their past and, uh, to, to follow him and now they were in this class and it was getting real. But one of the things I just said to them is I said, listen, you're not, you're not in this to try to make yourself look good. This, that's not what this is about. When you preach, you, you got to be willing to make mistakes. Any of you that have heard me preach over time, I stutter quite a bit. <laughs> Things happen. When it, and when it happens, I have to let my burden for the people be bigger than my fear of rejection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your burden has to eclipse the fear of reaching out and touching Listen, in Minnesota, we're not used to that. Minnesota nice. I've heard many different definitions of Minnesota nice since I moved here 31 years ago. One of them is you're walking down the road and, and uh, you notice somebody on the other side of the road that slips and falls on the ice. Minnesota nice is to look the other way so they're not embarrassed. <laughs> Minnesotans would love to give you directions to anywhere but their house. (laughs) Jesus had to go beyond cultural barriers to touch the isolated and hurting. Beyond your normal, your comfort zone. And he shows us the depth and the breadth of his love for us. In modern society, there are incredible walls of separation between people, walls of shame, political divides, racial walls, religious walls. There's serious pain behind closed doors as marriages are struggling and substance abuse is at an all time high. Withdrawal and depression are in epi- epidemic levels. The media intentionally serves up reasons for you to not touch the hurting. The lonely in our world, we're being flooded with so many facts about people on the other side of political aisles and and ideological aisles that we miss the fact that Jesus is ready to touch the leper. And while we we cry at the demise of the downfall of society and morals, listen, at the same time, teenagers and young adults are trapped in a world of pain. The only people who will reach out and touch them are fellow lepers who don't have the answers. No, they need somebody outside that community to come in and show them that they matter and they are loved. I wonder if there are some followers of Jesus who want to become like Jesus, who would be willing to have the drug addict over to your house for dinner. To listen to the story of a sexually confused young adult who is trying to fix the leprosy of their heart by chasing counterfeit love. What is your emotion pushing you to do? Are you just angry at the confusion all around you? Or is that anger moving you to compassionately touch someone with the love of Jesus? What does compassion move Jesus to do? Number three. Is to speak. He says, I am willing to be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Yes. You see, God is willing to heal the sick. Amen. The sick in body and the sick in heart. Amen. He cares about them and he's moved and willing. Amen. I don't know what your backstory is regarding relationship with heaven. Or your disappointment with a lot of things over the years. Or maybe somebody has hurt you and uh, you have a hard time trusting leaders because of something somebody did years ago. But I, t- I just want to tell you is Jesus is willing to touch you, to revive you, and to heal you. In fact, today at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity to, to pray for the sick. We are going to pray... For God to heal your body, if you have a sickness, we're going to have people with anointing oil. We're going to pray over them. We're going to say, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we're going to believe that Jesus is going to heal. And you might think, well, what if he doesn't? I'm just going to say this. What if we don't pray? Nothing's going to happen. But if we just take the step out, maybe this is the day that Jesus says, I'm willing. And we're going to do that today at the end of the service. First Peter chapter two says this for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Listen, Jesus went all the way and it's by his wounds you are healed. It's quoting from the Old Testament here. He went all the way so you can be healed. He reaches out And he touches and he speaks a different word over your life. I love it that Jesus speaks. He speaks a different word over this man's life. I don't know what he's heard as he's walked through society. And people are like, get away. Unclean, unclean. Unclean had become his identity. It was a wall of separation between him and other people. And Jesus comes and he says, be healed. He gives a brand new picture, a new opportunity of relationship, not only with God, but also with people. He speaks a different word. I just believe in 2022 that Jesus is walking through and he's reaching out and he's touching people and he's speaking, I am willing. I'm willing. And the greatest miracle in this man's life was not just his physical healing, it was his restoration with his family. It was the reconnection with people. In this last couple years, we've gone through an unbelievable series of events that have caused us to be more separated than we've ever been before social distancing. (laughs) And the impact of that is going to be told for years to come. Now, I'm thankful that leaders wanted to do the right thing and they stepped out and they attempted to do the right thing. But there's still unintended consequences for doing the right thing sometimes. And we've got generations of kids that don't know how to relate to each other. My sister, I was talking to her the other day. She works at a middle school in Michigan and recently they had lifted the mask mandate for for students to to wear masks in her school. And she was telling me that for the first three days after it was lifted, all the kids continued to wear the mask. And I said, well, were they afraid of getting COVID? And she said, no, they were afraid of being seen because they hadn't seen each other in years. I think that there is an element to isolation that grips a hold of people where we get so used to being away, self-isolating, pushing away from other people, that we're missing out on what Jesus can do when he speaks a different word and he says, I am willing to be healed. This young man, whoever he was that was a leper, whatever name you can think of or whatever age he might be, the one thing he did is he didn't just stay behind his mask, He called out to Jesus, and Jesus answered his call. And Jesus is still answering the call of people who are isolated and alone and brokenhearted and feeling the pain. Perhaps your family's going through turmoil. Maybe your marriage is breaking apart. Maybe you've got an addiction that is out of control. I want you to know that with you call out, to Jesus, he will answer your cry. He won't back away from you. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your brokenness. He will reach out and touch you and speak a new word over your life. He cares about you. He cares about you. It's the end times. This isn't a mess on prophecy, but... You got to recognize stuff is going on worldwide right now. Jesus said, when you see these signs, it's the beginning of birth pains. There's something coming next. There will be a moment like the moment when the door of the ark closed. When there's no more opportunity for people to come to Jesus. The people in our lives and they need Jesus. And he's moving toward the people and he wants us to move it, to care about the people in our story. What does being moved look like for you? The leper calls out to Jesus, Lord, if you're willing. And Jesus reaches and touches and speaks to the leper. Maybe you feel like you're the leper, or you have a leprosy in the heart that only Jesus can feel. I encourage you today to reach out and call out to the name of Jesus from wherever you are, and he is willing. But what about us as a church? Are we moved? Do we care deeply, even emotionally, about the condition of the lepers in our lives? What if we were moved with the compassion of Jesus to move toward people who are isolated? What if we were willing to reach out and touch them? Just bad, what if we don't? Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Without you reaching out in compassion, they have no hope. Listen, we are the preserving factor, and our prayer, our witness, Our love and life eating Jesus is the difference for those around us. Faith spoils when it's not shared. Would you stand with me today? Today, I've preached Jesus. I've preached Jesus and I've preached His Word, but I believe that He wants to reach out and touch people today. The end of our i right, I'm gonna pray in a moment. We're gonna have the altars open, including the back of the balcony, for prayer teams to come. In fact, prayer teams, I'd like you to come right now. Each of our locations, our prayer teams, will come to the front in Spring Lake Park. We also have them in the balcony. And uh, while we're worshiping, I wanna encourage you that perhaps today, you have a need. If you need to be healed physically, we wanna pray for you in Jesus' name that you would be healed. If you have a need of any other type, maybe there's brokenness going on in relationships around you. Maybe you're facing a deep addiction. Maybe you're just feeling alone and you need to step out and say, hey, I need help. Jesus is willing and we'd love to pray with you. That will go on just while we're worshiping. I encourage you, all all of us as a church, to cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, fill me with your compassion. Fill me with that emotional movement so I care about the needs around me. I need your help. And we can do that. We can, we can pray, we can worship, and we can ask God to do that. And then when I'm done praying in each of our locations, it will be a release for us uh, just to go after God together in our church. And so right now, if you would right now, just lift up your hands to heaven. Can you do that? Lord, we just come out before you. And we ask, oh God, that in this house, that Lord, we're walking along. Lord, as people cry out to you, I pray, Lord, that as we cry out to you, you would answer, yes, I am willing, and you would heal them, and I pray that you would speak that word, that word of healing over people's lives, and it would be released in real time in 2022, just like it was on that day you met the leper. I pray, God, that you would step in and show us the real Jesus, and it would be a 180, a turning point in our story as we turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into a community, or join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to continue to do. The best is yet to come.